This Friday night we have a worship night. Did you guys hear the announcement? Not really. That's all right. That's being you were fellowshipping and talking. But this Friday night we have a worship night um, at 7 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. The theme of it is Psalms 103. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I love this quote from Ruth Heflin. Praise until the spirit of worship comes. Worship until the glory comes. Then stand in the glory. So you don't want to miss Friday night. As we worship him and get to stand in his glory. Like right now. Well, it's it's Super Bowl Sunday. How many in here are Rams fans? (laughs) How many in this room are bitter Niner fans? There we go. How many Bengals fans we have in the room? So it's the Super Bowl nobody really cares about. (laughs) Except for just a couple. But it's going to be a great game. It'll be a lot of fun. It's just a great day. You get to celebrate. You get to eat. You get to have an excuse to be with your friends. Or if you actually want to watch the game, you don't invite anybody over so you can actually watch it. (laughs) But it's a great day. And what we've been, two weeks ago, I started a series. You know, in football, there's, there's three phases of the game that are really important. You have your offense. You have your defense. And then you have special teams, which special teams gets forgotten about a lot until it doesn't work, until you have bad special teams, and then you're out of the playoffs because you get a punt blocked, (laughs) and someone scores a touchdown off of it, and that's the difference in the game. But there's three phases to the game that you, if you want to win, you want to win consistently, you got to be good at. And today, there's going to be two teams trying to do that. And there's going to be two quarterbacks that are going to be trying to lead their team to victory, but they know it takes all three, that they can't just do it themselves. So we're going to continue our series today on faithfulness, obedience, and love, the three phases of the game. See, in the kingdom, there's three things that we have control over. We have control over whether we're faithful whether we're obedient, and whether we love, right? Those are choices that we can make. Not that we like to have those choices, especially today, what I'm going to talk about today. But two weeks ago, I talked about faithfulness. What What are we doing with what he has given you? Out of Matthew 25, it says, His master replied, well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come 
and share your master's happiness. We know two of the, the guys took the bag of money and they multiplied it. And one guy took the bag and what did he do? He buried it, right? He buried it in the ground. And we went over three things that will hinder us from being faithful. One, we don't think we have the ability. We talked about don't let your insecurities paralyze you into doing nothing. Number two, we talked about we don't realize who our master is. We have the Holy Spirit who has the answers. We can lean into him and reap where we have not sown. And number three that hinders us from being faithful is we make fear our friend. When we allow fear to be our guide, we will dig ourselves into a hole. And fear will steal our harvest. See, the one that buried the treasure lost his harvest. So we don't want that to hinder our faithfulness. And we talked about David understanding the principle of being faithful in the little things. That brings promotion to the big things. See, when David killed the lion and the bear, it had carried off one sheep. That's all it was, was one sheep. But he, was, he knew the principle of being faithful in the little things. Yeah. And because he was faithful with the one sheep, he became king. See, he saw the one sheep just as, as valuable as being king. Yeah. And he took care of the one sheep. It all started with being faithful for the one. Yeah. The one little thing. And so we kind of concluded with, is Jesus asking us, are we being faithful with what he's given us? And so I know you've dealt with that already, so we can move on, right? Because we're going to be faithful with what he's given us. So today, I want to talk about something way, way easier than faithfulness, and that's obedience. The doors are still unlocked, so you can exit now. I would be right behind you. Because obedience isn't fun to live out, is it? No, yes, yes. I, I know for myself it's not easy. I know my kids struggle with obedience, right? How many of you have perfect kids? Good. Now there is two loving parents that raised their hands. Good job. Good job. Way to support your kids. Everybody else is being truthful. <laughs> But see, it, it is a interesting thing, obedience. See, in football, in the game today, there's going to be plays called for the quarterback. And if he's obedient to those plays, he'll be successful. See, when a receiver goes out to receive a pass, if the quarterback waits for him to be open, it's too late. It's too late. Either he's going to get sacked... Or he's probably going to throw an interception because by the time the ball gets there, the guy can cover him. But the quarterback actually has to throw the ball before the receiver actually makes his final move and becomes open. He has to throw it when he's actually covered. When it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. The quarterback has to hit his back foot and let the ball fly. He's got to be obedient to the play and he's got to do it quickly. He can't hesitate. Yeah. 
When he hesitates, things go wrong. Things are really bad for him. He's either going to get hit really hard or he's going to throw a bad pass. And for us, obedience is the same way. In the kingdom, God is asking us, are you going to be obedient? And so we're going to look at some... We're going to look at 1 Samuel 15. So if you have your Bible, go to 1 Samuel 15. So at this time, Saul is the first king of Israel. And the word of the Lord comes to to Samuel. And he tells Samuel, go tell Saul to go attack the Amalekites and destroy everything. Don't leave anything alive. Kill all the sheep, all the cattle, everything. Destroy absolutely everything. So Samuel goes to Saul and tells him this. Tells him not one thing should be left alive. So Saul takes the word of the Lord and he attacks the Malachites. And we're going to pick this up in verse 7. It says, then Saul attacked the Malachites all the way from... Havla to Sur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Ag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Ag and the best of the sheep and cattle. The fat calves, the lambs, everything was good. That was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So Saul goes out to the battle. He wins the battle. But he doesn't obey the word of the Lord. He kills everything except for the good stuff. Right? He kept what was good. He killed off, oh, that that sheep's not very, it's kind of lame. It's a little straggly. Let's go ahead and kill that one. But we're going to keep the good stuff for ourselves. Right? Yes? You did that? Yep. Yep. All right. You're with me. So Saul must have been thinking, hey, he wants us, God only wants us to kill the bad stuff because he wants me to prosper. So I should keep the good stuff. He, he, He probably just meant just kill the bad stuff. And to keep the good stuff because he wants me to be prosperous. He wants me to be a good king and give good things to my, the soldiers. So he starts having this conversation, inner, inner, inner talk, and starts making choices. And how often do we do that in our own lives? We start rationalizing what God actually has said and trying to make it fit ourselves or our culture or our situation. See, Saul wanted his soldiers to love him. He wanted favor with his men. So he let the men keep the good stuff. So we're going to pick this back up at verse 10. God's talking to Samuel. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me, And has not carried out my instructions. So God tells on Saul. Samuel's not at the battle. God 
tells Samuel, hey, Saul didn't quite listen to the instructions. So Samuel goes to Saul and is going to have a conversation with Saul. And this is verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? It's like when your kid walks up and you go, hey, did you just eat a cookie? And they're like, no. But they've got crumbs all over their face and chocolate smeared on their cheek. You know, like you look at their hands and they're covered in cheese. And you ask them, did you just eat some Cheetos? Like, no, dad, no, no, I would, I would not get something without your permission. But they've got cheese all over their hands and their face. This is the moment Samuel is having with Saul. Like, you've got to be kidding me. I can hear the sheep and I can hear the cattle. You didn't have those before. What is your problem? It's so obvious. So Samuel's ticked. Not like you would be as a parent, because we don't do that. We're calm, we breathe, we say, oh, wonderful child, you're amazing, what a gift from God you are to me, let me just bless you and give you another cookie, you're amazing. No, Samuel's ticked, and he's like, Saul, why didn't you obey? Why didn't you listen to the instructions of the Lord? And Saul starts arguing with them. But I did. And it says that, oh, and now Saul's reeling. Now you can tell he, he's trying to figure this out. How do I make this sound really good? How do I justify this? And he goes, well, Samuel, we, we, we spared them so we, that we can sacrifice them to God. He made his disobedience spiritual. He made his disobedience righteous. Hey, look at all this money we got. How much we can take care of the poor. Saul's trying to figure out how do I make this look good for me. And Samuel answers him with this. This is verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of denovation and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. See, because Saul chose to not fully obey God, he lost the privilege of being king. Not only did he lose him become, being able to stay as king, he lost the right for his family to be kings. 
See, it's not just about you. A lot of times we convince ourselves not to obey what God's saying because you think it's just about you. You think, well, if I don't really listen and do what God tells me to do, that only is going to affect me. And I, I can deal with the consequences of not obeying. But what we don't realize, it actually affects the generations. See, Saul's generations were meant to be kings. But because he chose not to obey what God instructed him to do, he lost it for every generation after him. So our disobedience has consequences. See, God doesn't play around with, with obedience. We wish he would. We wish God didn't take obedience very seriously. But he does. Because Samuel is saying, hey, God loves the sacrifices. He delights in sacrifices. But oh, how much more he delights in your obedience. If you think sacrifices are great, obedience is so much better. And then he goes on. He kind of doubles down on this. Because he says, for rebellion is like the sin of denovation. So he equates disobedience to rebellion. And then he gives what rebellion is like, denovation, which I'm like, what the heck is that word? I can't even pronounce it very well. So I looked it up. Looked up what it means. It means witchcraft. Samuel is saying, your disobedience is the same as being rebellious. And if you're rebellious, you're operating in witchcraft. Exactly. It's an ouch. He's saying, hey, Saul, it's not that you just disobeyed, but you're actually cooperating with witchcraft. Because when we are disobedient, we operate in the realm that isn't the kingdom of God. And then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, an arrogance is like the evil of idolatry. He's comparing disobedience to arrogance. And when we operate in arrogance, we are operating in idolatry, which means we're worshiping something else other than God. He's saying, Saul, your disobedience, when you are disobedient, you are worshiping something else other than God. Not only are you partnering with witchcraft, but you're worshiping a different God. For a simple thing of disobedience. How many would like me to get on to the next week of love? Right now. So let's take a breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. We serve a really good God. That loves us. And really wants us to understand what obedience looks like. Because when we don't, we're partnering with witchcraft. We're partnering, 
were worshiping other gods. So you're like, well, that's the Old Testament. We're under new covenant now, right? And you all know I'm setting you up, so you're good. You, you know me well enough. So let's look at Romans 6, verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one you obey? Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I think Paul and Samuel were talking to the same spirit. If you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Paul is saying here, hey, your obedience matters. So whoever you're obeying, that's who you're a slave to. See, we either make a, we're either obedient to God or we're obedient to ourselves and our own interest. See, Saul was more interested in his own interest than God's. See, what he didn't really realize is God was trying to give him complete victory. Absolute, complete victory where you'd never have to deal with the Amalekites again. But Saul didn't see it that way. He saw, what can I gain from this? So therefore, he disobeyed God and did what he thought was right for him. And he became a slave to himself, to selfishness. Like Paul says, whoever we obey, we become slave to. So are we going to obey God or are we going to obey our own comfort? Our own selfish desires. See, Jesus came to bring freedom. Right? He came to bring freedom to the world. And life. So why am I talking about disobedience, witchcraft, idolatry, being slave to something? Because Jesus came to break that in us. And to bring us freedom. But to operate in that freedom, we have to be obedient. Because this is what Jesus said. If I could have the band come on up. Let's see if Jesus says anything kinder or nicer than what Paul and Samuel have said. This is John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. So Jesus takes it even to another level. He says, if you love me, you'll obey. See, Samuel just said, hey, you're playing around with witchcraft and you're worshiping another god. Paul says, hey, you'll be a slave to whatever you obey. And Jesus cuts right to the core of it. If you love me, you'll obey. See, Jesus really cares about this. He really cares about our obedience. It's not a fun thing to talk about. It's, not even, it's less fun to try to live it out. 
But Jesus is calling us to a life of obedience. Because he says, if you love me, you'll obey my teachings. Well, what did he teach? Well, it's in your Bible. Read it. (laughs) Figure it out. I don't have enough words in my mouth to go through them all. So it's a journey. Obedience is a journey. And you're going to screw it up. I've screwed it up. I've not always been obedient. And I probably definitely haven't been quick to be obedient. But we're coming into a time that Jesus is looking for a people that will be quick to obey. And will we be those people? Will we be those people that are quick to obey him? All it takes is just a quick repentance if you haven't. This week has been a week of repenting. Because we don't get it right all the time. I don't obey all the time, every time, and quickly. But that doesn't mean I don't try more. Or I don't try to get quicker at it. And when we fail, all we do is just say, Jesus, I failed. I screwed up. Forgive me. And he's right there. He's like, yeah, I know. I know you screwed up. But it's okay. You'll get it next time. You'll be quicker next time. You'll obey next time. Because you love me. And I love you. Just stand with me. Start singing worthy of it all just quietly in the background. Because that's really what it comes down to. Is that he's worthy of it. He's worthy of our obedience. And it doesn't matter how small it is. It was just some sheep and just some cows. But it mattered to God. The small things matter to him. And it's those little steps of obedience. For when the big one comes, when our concept of a big obedience comes, we don't hesitate. But we're going to hit our back foot and let the ball fly. Because we have a God that loves us. And a God that we love. So therefore, we obey his voice. So right now, if you need to repent, I would suggest you do it quickly. Because he's standing in front of you now with his arms open of love. And he's just saying, come to me. Come to me. The one that I've died for. The one I gave everything for, come to me now. And I'll love on you and restore you. Just say, Jesus, I screwed up. 
Jesus, I haven't been obedient. Will you forgive me? We repent now of not being quick to obey your word, to obey your voice. You gave it all for us. You gave it all for us. So as your children, we say we will obey you. We will worship you with our obedience. So Jesus, we give it all to you. Because you are worthy. Because you are worthy. You're worthy of our obedience. You're worthy of our love. You're worthy of it all. in us we give it to you Jesus our life is not our own it's yours oh teach us to live lives of yours teach us to be obedient because our lives are yours because you are worthy of it. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you are
altars are open. Come. If you need to get right with him, come. Maybe you've never known this Jesus that came and died for you. But there is a God that loves you and paid the ultimate price for you to come into the kingdom, come into relationship with him. If that's you in this room, just slip up your hand. Or if you're online, just come to the king that died for you. If that's you right now, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you all my life because you're worthy of it. You died for me and I receive salvation today and live my life for you. When my oldest granddaughter, who is now about 30, I don't know, how old is she? She's 26, 27, I don't know. She's, she's old. She was about three or four years old when we were here in, in this sanctuary. And uh, her, her dad had said, no, I don't want you to go up on that platform. And I had said, I had said, there's a bunch of children that were starting to get up on the platform. We were concerned about their safety and so I'd asked the children not to do that. And um, my granddaughter thought she had, you know, special, you know, she can get away with it. So she did. She got up on the platform. Her dad chased her down and brought her back. Uh, we got home that night and I got a call from my granddaughter. She's little tiny voice. And I said, well, hi, Samantha, what, what are you doing? Well, Papa, I need, I, I ask you to forgive me for disobeying you. And I said, you're forgiven. Okay, good night. <laughs> it's that simple. It's not the tearing of the, the clothes. It's not the pulling of our hair. It's not the begging. It's just simply, Papa, Man, that was really stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> and he just laughs with us and says, it's okay. Like Ryan said, it, it's okay. Because I've already taken care of all of that. And now you're just stepping into what I've already provided for you. So whether it's a little tiny thing of where we just realized, oh man, you were trying to move me in a direction and I resisted that direction. Or it's... It's something bigger than that that caused harm to people or to ourselves. It's the same thing. It's Papa. I just need you to forgive me. And he's already got it done. He's already got it done. He's already got it done. We just need to step into it. So I just encourage you now, just let's not make this complicated but let's be sincere. Let's be real. Let's not pass it off as unimportant, but not stand in any kind of condemnation whatsoever. For those who are in Christ Jesus are not condemned at all. 
There's no shame. It's just coming into that place of absolute forgiveness. Because he never, he never walked away from you when you were disobedient. Do you know that? He never stepped away. He never backed out and said, well, just you're on your own. He's right there. So let's just say it together. Papa, I blew it. Forgive me. Your word says, if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness, all the, all the stuff that's in the way. You're able to take care of that, so we just trust you for that right now, Papa. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. From you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. As Ryan said, the altars are ready. They're open for you. You want to just come and stand in the presence and receive his affirmation of who you are and how much he loves you. You're welcome to do that. If you need to leave, we recognize it's okay. We love having you here in the house this morning. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Have a great week in the kingdom.